2 Corinthians chapter 9. I, I visited that scripture last week when we were talking about our attitudes toward giving. But the Apostle Paul has some other things to share that I didn't get to talk about. So we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9 starting with verse 6. And that's on page 1803 if you're using one of our pew Bibles. This is one of those messages that I had the title before I had the message. I was reading this scripture in 2 Corinthians, and this phrase came to mind, the reciprocity of generosity. And it stuck right there. And I said, I don't know what the message is going to be, but I know what the title is. <laughs> so when you got a title and a scripture, the rest kind of comes along. The reciprocity of generosity. It just kind of rolls off your tongue. Say it with me. The reciprocity of generosity. How many is that? Three. I told Rafa my goal was to see how many times in the course of one message I can say the reciprocity of generosity. Four. 
I only got nine at 9.30. I could do better. So let's talk a minute about that word reciprocity. I admit I had to Google it to know how to spell it. <laughs> it comes from the word reciprocate, which simply means to give back in kind. The way it usually works in our lives, uh, somebody gives me a present for my birthday. When their birthday comes along, I give them a present. Someone invites me over to their house for a backyard barbecue one evening. The next time we're cooking out in the backyard, I call them up and invite them over. It's treating someone in kind for the way they've treated you. Now, there is a negative side to reciprocity. If you go back into the Old Testament, there's a law that says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Now, that's reciprocity. But we don't want to go there. I call that the dark side of reciprocity. <laughs> and that's not what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about the reciprocity of generosity. Because that's what the Apostle Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 9. And in terms of our relationship with the Lord, it simply means that we have an awareness of and an understanding of the fact that God is generous with us. That the very lives that we have belong to Him. My very existence is because of Him. And James 1.17 says that He is the giver of all good gifts. Every blessing I've ever received in my life, it may have come through human means, but it began with Him. God is generous. And because of His generosity, I want to live a life of generosity. I want to reciprocate that generosity and what I give back to Him and what I do for Him in his service in this world. So with those thoughts in mind, let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. It says, remember this. And whenever the Apostle Paul says, remember this, what should we do? Remember this. <laughs> I mean, everything he says is important. It's not like, okay, forget everything else. But from time to time, he, he, he says something, and he goes, like, this is really important. This should, like, be highlighted. This should have an asterisk put beside it. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let's stop there a moment. The, the principle of sowing and reaping is very much akin to the reciprocity of generosity. And we all understand it. I mean, it makes perfect sense. What you put in determines what you get out. You can ask any farmer, and he will tell you, if you want to reap an abundant harvest out of this field, you have to plant the whole field in seed. You can't say, well, I'm gonna save money this year. I'm only gonna plant every field halfway going to plant half of each field, and then when harvest comes, I'm going to harvest the whole field. Well, that doesn't work. It never works. You can't invest in only half the field and expect to reap the full 
harvest. That's true in every area of life. It's true in our relationships. Imagine I came to you and said, I don't understand it anymore. I used to be really close to this person, and now we don't seem to have much of a relationship. And I say, well, do you talk to each other? Well, they call quite a bit, but I never answer their call. Do you get together? Well, they, they call and ask me to do things, but I'm always busy. And you don't understand why you don't have a close relationship. <laughs> You know, they're not sowing. They're not putting anything into that relationship, so they're not reaping anything from it. That's especially true in our relationship with God. From time to time, someone will come to my office and say, you know, I don't know what happened. I, I used to be close to God. Now I, I don't feel like we are. I feel like he's kind of distant in my life. Well, what's, what's going on? Do you... Do you read his word? No, I don't really read the Bible much anymore. Well, do you pray? No, I don't pray much. Do you come to worship? Well, once in a great while. And you don't understand why God seems distant. <laughs> the very things that keep our relationship strong and healthy with the Lord, the things that you should be sowing seeds of faith in, are the very things that you're ignoring. So I think we can all get this principle of sowing and reaping, and it's very much a part of the reciprocity of generosity. It's very much uh, a part of understanding how much God has done for us, how much he has given us, and then what are we doing with that? If God is just blessing me richly, and then I'm, I'm handing out the seeds of his blessing meagerly, What's going to happen eventually? It's God's going to say, wait a minute, I'm giving you much, you're using little. And we're going to find those blessings drying up and we're going to wonder why. Why isn't God blessing me like he used to? It's because we're not practicing the reciprocity of generosity. We're not being generous with that which he has generously given us. Let's go on to verse 7. It tells us why. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now last week we talked about that last phrase, that God loves a cheerful giver. But I skipped over the first part because I was coming back to it this week. God understands our human nature all too well. And it is not my natural inclination to be generous. It isn't. My natural inclination when I receive is to hold on to. Have you ever seen some children playing with like blocks? And there's this big pile of blocks and there's a child on each side of the pile of blocks and there's more than enough blocks for both children to, to enjoy building. But one child will reach over in front of the other child and take a particular block. And that child will react very negatively. Like, that's mine! And they'll reach and they'll like form this arm barrier around blocks. And, you know, and I have now like three-fourths of the blocks and you have a little tiny pile. 
that's our human nature. I'm not inclined to be generous. The big thing now at stores when you check out are these, the different charity things. You know, almost every store has a charity they've aligned with. And every time you check out, would you like to make a donation to the March of Dimes or to St. Jude's Children's Hospital or, or whatever the cause may be? And it usually comes up with a screen that says $1, $5, $10, $20, other. What's my natural inclination when I'm checking out and it says, do you want to make a donation? No. But then there's that little voice. Mine is like right, right here. That little voice that says, really? You just spent $18 on dog food? You can't help out the March of Dimes? Okay. One dollar. I, I cannot tell you a time, and I observe this because it interests me. I cannot tell you a time when somebody hit the five or the ten or the twenty. If they give it all, one dollar. And I've done it so many times. Salvation Army kettle. I've observed this too. Have you ever watched that no, hardly anybody stops on the way into the store and puts money in the kettle? Almost never. Everybody waits till they're coming back out. They don't give when they have all their money. <laughs> they wait till they go in and buy all the stuff they want, and then on their way out, then they stop and pull out their wallet and put out a $20 bill and put it in the kettle, right? No. You reach in here with your keys and you fiddle around a little bit and go, okay, I got 42 cents. Okay. I get these things in the mail from Christian organizations all the time. You know, we got this great new book and we want to give you this book for any donation to our ministry. All right. I'm going to write a check for one dollar. <laughs> it said any donation. That's the inclination. I'm not proud of it, but that's, that's true. That's my natural inclination. But Paul says each one should give, not what he is naturally inclined to give, but he should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. So in other words, my giving should not be a knee-jerk reaction. It should not be a spur-of-the-moment spontaneous act, but my giving should be something that is thought out, prayed out, and considered carefully. That's why we send you this stuff in the mail. Some people ask me every year, why do you go to the expense to send these letters and these budgets and these cards? And We could just come here on Sunday morning and say, here, here's your estimate of giving card. Take five minutes, fill it out, put them back in. We could do that. But we would be going against the teaching of Scripture. We would be asking you to give spontaneously and quickly, not thoughtfully and prayerfully. Instead, we, we mail them to you. And we ask you to take time to consider, to pray, to ask God, what would you have me to do? And not just with your money, but with your time, your energy, your resources, your life. The reciprocity of generosity goes well beyond dollars and cents. To what do I do with what I have in my life?
Do I follow my natural inclination? Or do I decide thoughtfully and prayerfully what I should do? You know, whenever I hear someone being described as a generous person, so-and-so is a really generous person, or I go to a funeral, and part of the eulogy is someone will say, this person would give you the shirt off their back, this person was always there, they would do anything for anybody. I always think to myself, I want to be that person. I want people to think of me that way. I want people to talk about me like that when I'm gone. But will they? Will they consider me a generous person in the way I've used my life? And so I, I came up with three questions to kind of help me answer that for myself. And if you want to use them, fine. If not, you can just listen to me do it. The first question is, when faced with giving opportunities, do I ask how much can I give or how little? Refer back to the previous examples. When faced with a giving opportunity, do I ask how much can I do or how little can I get away with? My natural inclination is to ask how little. When I'm thoughtful and prayerful about it, seeking God in the matter, it changes the question that I ask. From how little can I get away with to how much can I do for this situation. Second question. Do I look for opportunities to give or try to avoid them? <laughs> do I look for opportunities to give? How many times have, have I heard people talking about someone and talking about, man, that these, this person really has, is a need. This person needs somebody to come along and help them. We need to pray about this person. Lord, send, you need to help this person. You need to send someone into their life who can make a difference in their life. How many times have I prayed that prayer and God's up there going, hello? <laughs> Are you aware of the need? Yes. Is there anything you could do about the need? Possibly. So what are you going to do? Once you get done praying about it, then you go answer your own prayer. I love a song by Matthew West called Do Something. You familiar with that song? He says, God, I look around the world and I see all this stuff going on. I keep saying, you need to do something about that. And his answer is, I did. I created you. <laughs> Do I see myself as the answer to my prayers for people's needs? A couple months ago, the Girl Scouts were selling their cookies. There are two things I have a hard time resisting. Girl Scout cookies and those cute little girls that sell them. My granddaughter's a Girl Scout. I bought, I don't know what I buy, 10 or 12 boxes of Girl Scout cookies at $5 a box. And I'm heading into Marsh, and here's, here she is. Mister, want to buy some cookies? Catch you on the way out. You know, that's what everybody says. You don't want to carry Girl Scout cookies around the grocery store on the way out. Then when it's time to leave, what do you do? You go out the other door. 
That's my natural inclination. Because if I go out the door where she's standing, what am I going to do? I'm going to buy Girl Scout cookies. And I'm not just going to buy one box. I'm going to buy three or four. But perhaps God wants me to buy Girl Scout cookies, not because I need them, Lord knows, but because maybe that girl needs me to buy cookies from her today. I went to the flea market last Saturday. My granddaughter needed a bicycle. She outgrew her bicycle. And I happened to drive by, and they had a, a pretty nice-looking used bicycle. And I went up to the guy's stand, and he had 25 bucks on it. And, and uh, you know, I was taught you never pay what the price says on stuff at flea markets and stuff. So I went up and said, I'll, I'll give you $20 for the bicycle. He said, okay. And I gave him the 20 bucks, and I'm walking away, and he said, Mister, you just made my day buying that bicycle. And I thought, really? He hadn't been selling nothing. Been sitting out there a couple hours, hadn't sold a thing. If I'd have known that, I'd have given him the 25 bucks for the bicycle. It was worth it. It was a good bicycle. You just don't know the effect that generosity can have. If we were to read on in 2 Corinthians 2, he would talk about that. He would say that our generosity overflows in thanksgiving to God and in praise to God. People will see your generosity and they will translate that into me. I could preach Jesus for hours. Or I could do something simple like buy a bicycle to flea market. And perhaps communicate more in that act of generosity than I ever could. Yes, sir. Our family's been here for nearly 25 years, and we have received so much uh, from this church family. One of the greatest acts of generosity was this past Christmas. We had Christmas Eve service. It's midnight, getting ready to leave. I'm going to the office to put my Bible up and go home, and there's an envelope slid under the office door. It says, Roger and Sue on it. And I'm thinking, oh, nice, somebody sent us a Christmas card. Well, they were too cheap to mail it, so they slid it under the church door. You know, I, don't, I didn't think that. But I thought, oh, no, we got, we got a card from somebody. So I picked it up, and I opened it up, and there was no Christmas card. But there was a cashier's check for $15,000. I took off my glasses and said, man, I'm seeing like zeros like crazy. I got, I got to wipe these things off because might be 150. I don't know, but $15,000. And being a cashier's check, there was no name on it that I could identify. And there was simply a note that said, we know you, you, you lost some income when Sue had to retire, and we know money's tight. We want you to catch up some bills and take a trip or two. God bless you. I just stood there looking at it for a few minutes. Now that's generosity. That is the reciprocity of generosity to the extreme. And it's, it's not a singular act. 
I know that God is a generous God because God's people are generous people. And you have treated us that way from the time we first arrived here. And so I'm committed to living a life of generosity. I don't want to just do the minimum. I don't want to just get by in my giving. Now I will say there's a couple things I need to learn. When you get a text that says, are you busy on Saturday? The standard answer needs to be yes. <laughs> and when that text is followed up by, is there any way we can move a piano? The answer needs to be no. <laughs> Especially when that piano has been walled into the corner of a room that you can't get it out without turning it up on end and scooching it sideways. That was two weeks ago. Yesterday, uh, I, I get a message that uh, the high school's taken down all that fencing around the high school, and we're putting in a ball field for the ministerial association at one of the churches, and we need some fence. So we get that text, can we move fencing? Every fiber of my being said, no. <laughs> we cannot move. <laughs> These rolls of fence were this, rolled up this big. They weighed a ton. <laughs> and the poles still had all the concrete on them. But it must have been God moving my fingers upon that. <laughs> no, I'm not busy. Sure, I can help. And you're like, what? I have just type that. Have I hit send? Yes, I have. Can you retrieve text? Is there like a nanosecond of time when you can think about it and get it back? Darn. But you know, I'm glad I did. I have, I have experienced so much generosity, not only financially, but, but in time, in energy, in compassion, and in service, that every opportunity I have, if I can say yes, I want to say yes. If people need it and I can give it, I want to give it. And I pray that we will all experience the, the wonder of the reciprocity of generosity, of knowing how much God has given us and being able to give that back to him. Let us pray. God, I am so grateful for who you are. That you are a loving, giving God. And I pray that you would help us to seek to express our gratitude for your generosity, not just by saying thank you, but by living generously with one another giving of our money, giving of our time, giving of our compassion, our care, our concern, being there for one another and building up, as your word says, the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you for your generosity. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
Sweet.